This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Research. Knowledge sharing on financial research. Hello and thank you for joining us for this, the 10th episode of our Day After series. Now, crises create disruption. And in this respect, COVID-19 is no exception. And it's brought with it new complexities, opportunities and risks to the investment landscape. And a whole new macro financial ecosystem has emerged. Well, to talk to us some more about the lessons that have been learned so far, I'm joined by Monica Defen, the Global Head of Research at Amundi. Welcome back to you, Monica. Thank you, Tom. Welcome to you as well. Could I start by asking you to sum up for us what you consider to be the key features of this new environment? Yeah, thank you, Tom. Actually, there are four key features of this uh, day after COVID-19 environment. Uh, the first one, a global health shock that had spillovers to the full spectrum of asset classes has been taking place. So we have seen markets uh, and volatility going up and down, driven by virus-related news and asset classes in general more exposed to geopolitical risks. Second, the macrofinancial environment has been evolving extremely rapidly because of the virus news, because of the policy response, because of the set out of lockdowns by the selective business decision to, to reopen. Third, the by far most evident and allow me to say worrisome fact is the deep disconnection in between the macro fundamentals and the market. So we had a crisis that hit the global economies quite deeply, but the markets overall have been continuing, in particular on the risky asset, have been continuing to drift, uh, drift higher. And this was uh, justified by the very prompt and reactive uh, reaction of the central banks and, and more in general, the, the policy response. So the policy accelerators actually drifted the markets higher uh, to a certain extent uh, overshadowing the pain of the real economy. Uh, the four features that uh, we envisage is the larger role of the central authorities in the market functioning, because uh, on one side we have seen uh, central banks that have been uh, driving actually a liquidity rally beyond any fundamental or valuation consideration. And on the other side, we had governments uh, that uh, eventually have been showing some good level of solidarity, tempering somewhat the geopolitical risk, I'm thinking in particular to the Eurozone. But at the same time, uh, they've been continuing to pile up a huge, massive level of debt. And eventually, all of these state guarantees that uh, have been prompted in order to help uh, the uh, corporate sector are preventing uh, the, default the default rate to, to spike, but this is uh, actually a risk that, uh, that we see. So fast evolving macro environment, global shock, disconnection between macro fundamentals and markets, and bolder role of central authorities in the market functioning are the key features that we do see uh, in this day after environment. Well, thanks for that, Monica. And you've designed a specific new macro framework to analyse this new environment. And you've decided to call it GREAT, G-R-E-A-T. Now, what does GREAT mean and what exactly is it? A lot of ambition in the name. (laughs) 
No, really, you know that for people who are working in finance over uh, the last month, we've been enjoying in looking for acronym or letters to, to define the, the current environment. Basically, GREAT means Global Risk Exposure Attribution Tool. And it is a model that uh, we deployed within the research department to run some top-down assessment of the risk exposures of the of the asset classes. Basically, the idea is that when you are going to invest in a specific um, asset class, let's say U.S. equities, European equities, you want to know how much you are positioning in terms of risks to growth, to inflation. To, to rates, and this is what actually uh, we did with with uh, with great, uh, trying to uh, assess the exposure, a single, the sensitivity of each single asset class to some specific macro risk uh, we uh, we identified. There is also a um, forward-looking dimension uh, that uh, we uh, we were able to deploy, so that once you have some high convictions uh, in terms of these macro factors, namely inflation or, or growth, you know where you would like to be invested. So uh, in this perspective, uh, this tool allows you to discipline your exposure, not only in the current environment, but also according to your own uh, forward-looking conviction. And so tell us, how did you go about setting up this framework then? Well, it is. Uh, it has taken uh, quite a bit of time in order uh, to decide what was uh, the the proper technique uh, applied, given the changes uh, that also in terms of a research stance, uh, the the COVID nineteen situation uh, required us to to adopt. So first of all, we tested and verified what were the key market drivers, and again uh, we arrived to the conclusion that macro factors still remain a big uh, driver and trigger of uh, market uh, market dynamics. Then we calculated the sensitivity of asset classes to the changes in these, uh, in these uh, macro factors, uh, having in mind that it is uh, state dependent. So, um, you know, uh, if you are in a uh, hyperinflation or low inflation, the sensitivity uh, of asset classes actually changes. It is uh, uh, positive when you are in a um, reflationary regime as far as uh, developer market equities is concerned, but the sensitivity turns to be negative uh, when uh, you are in, in hyper hyperinflation. So all uh, these kinds of levels have been uh, detected and sensitivities uh, have been uh, calculated uh, uh, accordingly. Then there is this uh, third dimension that I've briefly uh, anticipated before, which is this uh, forward-looking stance. Uh, we have some uh, high-level uh, macro conviction. We expect a certain evolution of the financial regimes, and therefore uh, we can derive what is uh, our um, uh, optimal uh, top-down asset allocation tilted towards our own uh, convictions. Um, the fact that uh, we have these analysis really allow you to fine tune the asset allocation you would like to have according to your own convictions. So you can customize uh, according to your opinion what is the best asset allocation that uh, uh, eventually suits your conviction. And Monica, what are the main findings of this model with regards to asset class sensitivities and also concerning returns? Well, one is that sensitivity 
tends to vary uh, depending on the um, cyclicality of the uh, macro factor we are, uh, um, we are looking for. Uh, as I said, a low growth environment is different from a high growth or average uh, growth environment as well as low rates uh, versus high nominal rates. So you need to be careful uh, in order to uh, proper uh, allocate your, uh, your asset. Uh, then um, you need to expand the uh, universe of, uh, of investments uh, as uh, those macro factors, namely growth, rates, inflation, monetary policy, fiscal policy, uh, debt, uh, debt uh, aggregate and, and liquidity are highly uh, interconnected. So the potential mismatch of one could affect the result of the uh, overall. At the same time, correlations uh, seems to be very aligned. So you really need to expand uh, your uh, universe of inv investment in a low uh, rates, low returns uh, environment in order to improve the diversification uh, of your of your portfolios and eventually. Um, there is a one, everything uh, is very fluid, is very uh, uncertain, but we have one strong conviction, which is uh, uh, that markets uh, will uh, move uh, according to some common factors. And those macro factors uh, will have to base uh, your asset allocation. Right. So in light of this research, what will be the new market movers? Uh, as you said at uh, the beginning of our conversation, uh, COVID-19 opened up uh, new complexities, uh, a new macro uh, financial ecosystem is in place and we do believe uh, we'll, uh, we'll stay there. So macro factors will continue to, to anchor uh, market, but because uh, we have a new macro ecosystem, just because uh, this uh, crisis is uh, um, very peculiar, peculiar in uh, in its uh, nature, we need to look at those uh, macro environment from different angles. Uh, for example, uh, you it, it has been uh, very difficult to get hard data on the on the macro front, so that um, in order to define where growth is going to go, you you don't just you don't you don't have evidence enough evidence in order to uh, make a, a stable assessment on the consumption invest investment uh, net export and public expenditure level, but you need to move and drill down uh, to a more high frequency data, uh, looking, for example, at um, consumption uh, in energy, uh, mobility data, to see whether uh, there is uh, some uh, growth uh, momentum uh, picking up. And then you really need to see the asymmetry and the speed, the velocity uh, these uh, macro aggregates uh, are um, are going to, to change. So again, macro factors will be key, but you need to be uh, more selective, go more in depth in, uh, in their analysis to get uh, all of these uh, um, micro movements, uh, if you want, that uh, will uh, allow the economic momentum to recover and eventually will affect monetary policy, fiscal policy, and therefore uh, markets reaction. And I understand that you also reviewed your asset class preference using this great framework. 
Is that correct? Yes, uh, yes, exactly. Basically, great uh, is allowing us to add uh, um, another filter, uh, if you want, uh, in the um, in the uh, assessment of the asset class uh, universe, uh, being more more granular. Uh, as I said, you can look at the at those macro factors and identify some regime. Uh, we identify actually three regime, low, medium, and high level, as far as growth, inflation, uh, monetary and debt aggregates, rates, and liquidity uh, is, uh, is referred. And thanks to the sensitivity that uh, asset classes have been showing uh, over the past, we, are, uh, we allow um, a kind of ranking in terms of expectations of the uh, asset class that uh, will uh, will tend to, uh, to, to outperform in, in the future, and we define our asset allocation accordingly. So to, be, uh, to, to use a, maybe a, a simpler example, uh, we do believe that we are in a low growth, low rates environment, and this justifies the positioning over um, investment grade, gold, uh, the liquidity tilt that uh, we do expect given the extra effort that the monetary policy uh, is uh, um, adding to the market justify the tilt, for example, uh, versus uh, European equities. So all these kind of consideration um, basically are um, found some ground and rational in the, in the analysis that uh, GREAT allowed us to wrap up. And finally, why do you think your approach should facilitate diversification, improve risk budgeting and potential returns? Well, when we say that our biggest conviction is the one that macro factors remain key in uh, in defining uh, the, the market dynamic, we really do believe that an asset allocation tilted towards macro risk factor uh, is something that investors should uh, should consider. This was something that we had in mind already. And actually, uh, COVID-19 was uh, for us the opportunity uh, to uh, to move faster in uh, in in that uh, in that direction. So really, the, the current situation is a kind of perfect storm. Uh, the entropy of the entire global uh, economy of the world have been increasing and it is a fast evolving and this is why in this context in this environment we do believe that assessing macro risk factors being key to generate returns to investors and therefore uh, a cross-asset approach is what you will be really uh, need in order to be uh, successful and improve uh, the, uh, the value added into your uh, portfolio uh, allocation. So uh, what we are currently doing is really tilting towards these uh, individual macroeconomic risk factors and we combine asset classes uh, according to the risk that we want to take and we budget to take uh, versus a, a certain uh, a certain macro factor. Okay, well, that's all we have time for. Thank you very much indeed to you, Monica Defend, the Global Head of Research at Amundi. And thanks to you for listening to this, the 10th instalment of our Day After series, Amundi's take on the long-term implications of this ongoing, unprecedented crisis. Well, you can always check out our Outer Blue channel to listen to previous editions. And we'll be back in September with more episodes on our Outer Blue channel. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 
2004 on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.